are power crystals. Getting cute. Critical and, and metaphysical. metaphysical. Hi, power crystals. This is Leah, and I'm bringing you an episode today that's a conversation between me and my friend, Dana Balicki. We are days away from the Joe Biden inauguration, and there's a deep sense of the swirl that we are all living in, this transformation, this new phase, whatever it may be, this building upon the last four years. Um, We can feel it. We know it's coming. We know it's here. And a lot of us are wondering what our role is. Who will we be? What will we do in this time? I think this conversation with Dana is really, really relevant because in it, both she and I talk about the turn that we made from our early years as social justice activists toward a more ensouled, soulful activism. And we talk about the intersections of our political work with our spiritual work and how that that intersection is necessary for the world that we're moving into. Dana calls herself a transformation coach, but I really think that her work defies categories and words. She's such an incredible person. I think that you will love her when you hear her. She talks candidly about being a white woman in, you know, these times and in activism. Um, She has so many stories. She's so funny. I really, really love talking to her and I hope you will too. Enjoy this episode and be, I don't know, be what you are in these days. That's all we can be. I don't want to say be well, be happy, be strong, any of those cliches. Be exactly what you are and know that we are here from afar, sending our energy and our love to you, Power Crystals. We are so excited to partner with one of our favorite makers, Open Apothecary by Magic Mama Co. Open Apothecary is about connecting community to herbal allies. It was founded by maker, mama, and bruja, Hannah Salas, in an effort to heal family members in pain. Open Apothecary and Magic Mama Co. are focused on the healing of black, brown, trans, queer, disabled, and other marginalized folks by ensuring that a portion of sales and products go back directly into those communities. Check out their magic. It's fucking good. My all-time favorite products are the lavender peppermint CBD chapstick and the organic CBD pain salve. I've used them for a while now. I swear by them. Visit magicmamaco.com and openapothecary.com. Okay, cool. I'm ready when you are. So we can just assume the position, <laughs> feet flat on the floor, spine straight, but not over efforted, right? We let our spine be supple. Maybe we just do a little couple rib rolls to the rib cage rolls to the right. Just really subtle, nothing big. And to the left, just tiny little movements. Any movements can be so big. We come to a place of stillness with our eyes closed and our hands either 
resting gently in our lap or palms down on the thighs or whatever feels good to you if there's another placement. Breathing in through the nose, nice and slow and deep, as long as that feels good to you, down into the belly. And exhaling out the nose, pulling your navel back towards your spine. Rolling right back into the inhale. And then flowing right into the exhale. Bringing your attention to the circumference of your abdomen and visualizing it like uh, an ancient tree trunk with thick bark, just thick mottled beautiful bark that has seen so much. And on your next exhale, just extend that tree trunk down through your seat down into the earth, all the way down through the water table and layers of city and down to the crust and mantle layers of the planet, to the stone sticks and bones of our ancestors. All the way down to the center of the planet. And we ask Mother Earth to receive our grounding, which she does. And we wrap our grounding trunk around the center three times, pulling snugly. Just that place where we've wrapped, instead of being a separate wrapping thing around the core, just let that dissolve and melt into the core, almost like becoming an umbilical cord into the placenta, just connected, intertwined, indistinguishable. Let's just stay here for a few moments and breathe in this connection. We can just draw now this beautiful earth energy, this vital alive earth energy back up through our grounding trunk. Mm, like sipping a milkshake through a straw all the way up to the layers of planet, all the way back up to our bodies. Give ourselves permission to receive this earth energy, allow it in, let it fill you up. Just push out to all the little crooks, nooks and crannies of your, of your cells, touching all parts of you with this vitality traveling up your central channel, the midline of your body, and it's cleansing, clearing, and balancing your chakras as it does so. Crown, and it pours out the top of your head up several feet and then out and down few feet in diameter around you and gently curling down beneath your feet like a fountain of golden light. And we just let this run.
Twinkle your fingers and toes. And just move your head really. to you, gently opening your eyes when you're ready. Thank you. Yeah. That's such a nice way to start. I love yeah. that. Isn't it? Um, yeah. After all our button pushing and I know. <laughs> I know. Like, okay, let's let's get into it. Let's go, <laughs> let's have a great conversation, girl. <laughs> I mean, I had a meltdown on a tech support line this morning, so that, that was needed for me too. Thank you. The tech support shall inherit the earth. <laughs> I feel so bad for. Oh, so I, I, I just cried. I was just like, "This is uh, frustrating." I'm it's, sorry. Yeah, it's so hard. Um, I wanted to ask because I find that you're like that I've done that meditation now a few times with you and it's so good and I wonder how long or like how did you I like I specifically connect the like grounding meditation with you and how did you start doing that when did it become like a practice of yours like how long have you been Mm. doing grounding yeah I mean It's a great question. I remember I must've been, I think I was like 28 and I just turned 40. So a little perspective (laughs) on timing, Mm -hmm. whatever that means. Um, uh, I remember when my teacher Ra was, was talking to me about grounding and and she was her and this, uh, another woman, Jay Love called her on there, like my first coaches. And this was like a time when this was like 2008, 2009. And we were, I was part of this group called We Got Issues. And it was for like young women artists and activists. And it was like empowerment work. Um, and uh, a whole year of, of traveling with these other 17 amazing humans that are now still all my very dearest friends. Um, anyway, I remember robbing like, let's try some grounding. I was like, what's that? And she was like, hmm. Yeah, I think this is for you. <laughs> and I was like, do tell, what's that all about? And then we started getting into it and I really resisted it because I was an activist and I was doing, you know, I was just like moving a million miles an hour. And that was my, that was just what I, I knew. Um, yeah. Plus I have a shit ton of air in my chart. So it's like really easy for me to just be like yeah. all over. And um, so anyway, that was when I was introduced to grounding. And in terms of, it wasn't a regular practice for me, probably for a few years after that. And then it was like, it was, um, I don't even remember, like, you know, I was like, I had been, you know, I'd worked through, done some grounding meditations or different, like just, you know, guided meditations from her and others and, um, you know, found my way to the idea of like earthing, you know, like energetic, you know, like the, like getting on the earth and all that's, you know, positive, negative. And yeah, froze for a second. Oh, I just said, um, you know, all the positive yeah eye on stuff. And then I was like, just laughing at myself, like science in a nutshell (laughs) (laughs) and uh, stuff. But uh, yeah, anyway, I, that evolved over 
where time and that like idea of like being rooted into the earth felt very natural. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure I heard someone do a grounding meditation and then I just sort of took it and ran with it. Um, and other many people and teachers and friends have, have informed my practice and shaped it over the years. Yeah. Like the trunk came from my teacher, Marguerite Rigolioso. Um, and I liked that so much more than the grounding cord, like coming down out of the spine. Yeah. So felt a little too, like I was a kite on a string or something. Yeah. And I don't yeah. know, it was like too, so root chakra-y that I would kind of get like a little. Yeah. Too, too. So yeah. It's very Captain EO. It's like, um, <laughs> like cords coming out of your body. Right. I was just like, it did. I did it and it was helpful, but this felt like the right thing. And I remember you one time saying you really like the sipping milkshake through a straw and that yes. from my beloved friend, uh, Zahava Greece. And, uh, they're an amazing, um, kink re- intersection of kink and race and, um, and dance, uh, teacher and, I remember that from them and I don't know, little pieces come together, you know, yeah. and things just like all yeah. of a sudden fit and then they just flow and you don't have to effort anything. Yeah. I love that. That's how I feel about the theta meditation. I just know where I'm going and I don't have to like, yeah, it just comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I thought like, as we were doing it, I know I, I was trying to be present, but also <laughs> thinking about how I don't really take grounding seriously I do it when it's offered, but I haven't made a practice of grounding. And I was just thinking about what that might do for a person to like constantly ground, to like do it every day, to do it multiple times a day, even to like, you know, like, cause we, we can point to the shifts that we experience just from a, a meditation practice. But if it's specifically around that connection to the earth, like what, amazing things might happen by doing that every day yeah I mean it's part of like my group program that I have that's like the daily morning meditate or do it all you know I I offer lots of different ways to do it real quick you know throughout the day but yeah I believe that it's you know I can go on forever and I won't here, but like, you know, the, just the potency of that connection and what it is to commit to and practice connection with the earth. That is obviously always just right there. It's not a thing you have to go find, Uh, you know, it's always available. And to like, remember, and, and to like what that, what that does to like, know that there's always the earth there to support you. Like, yes, you're standing on it, but like, there's like a, I just, I believe in the power of, of practicing and committing to connection of simple action and like really subtle movement um, of, of showing up for something, even if you don't necessarily feel like it, or even if your mind's wandering the whole time and, and like, and like what that opens up for us to be connected to each other, right. To the core of the planet, to ourselves, to our bodies, right. To come back mm-hmm. into our bodies to do in order to do it. Cause that's kind of necessary, right. It's like yeah. it, where it's just built in. And, and like, when we do, when we like practice that connection over and over and over and, and we're 
like, I believe that all, all, obviously like all things are connected. And so we're saying like, I'm willing to commit to being connected. And I, yeah. I don't think that that's just relegated to the grounding practice. I believe that that ripples out and it's like, I'm willing to be connected to you. Yeah. I'm willing to be connected to all the people and things that I seen and unseen. Um, so I, I, I believe it has very like practical applications and very um, magical applications and that it's a medicine yeah. for this time. Cause you also have to slow down and you know how I feel about slowing down. So um, yeah. I just, yeah, it's, it's something I turn to um, every day and several times a day. And I, I think I read a, a note for, oh, it was in your, your Akashic um, collective reading from the uh -huh. other night. And I, I read in your post and you were like, I connect to the, you know, I connect in the records like every day, sometimes several times a day. And that's what, that's what grounding is for me. Yeah. 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 It, it, beyond the, the necessity of just grounding and like feeling the connection and rooting down, it's also like you develop a comfort with permanence. Like this is a permanent relationship I'm going to be in. Yeah. This is something that I commit to. And we're, you know, very commitment phobic in our culture. Mm -hmm. And so it, it is like, there are secondary and tertiary like benefits and Easter eggs to developing a practice like that. And, and I even hate the words develop a practice because I feel like those words are so judgmental but like mm -hmm. doing practice a practice yeah practice a practice <laughs> like like it feels more inviting to me to think of it as like visit the earth every day <laughs> like yeah take a little trip like take a little vacation yeah um, I really believe in cultivation right like in this you know it's just like the slow reveal of everything, yeah. you know, like in the motto, like little by little, then all of a sudden, right? So it's like we we, we little it by little it by little it, and yeah. we don't see it happening. We don't see all the pieces coming together, yeah. and then they're there for us, you know. And maybe yeah. things that we didn't expect yeah. or even think we were asking yeah. for, but yeah, yeah, that permanence I think is a. Yeah, the little by little to me, like that's exactly what emergence is. Yeah. We just won't see it and then it comes forward and it has nothing to do with how much or how hard or, you know, no. like how good we are at practicing it. It's like, it really, it's like, um, did you ever read To Kill a Mockingbird? Mm -hmm. Do you remember? Like, I, I think about Boo Radley a lot but how Boo Radley like would leave the gifts like every day for the kids. Mm. And it was like a relationship that they formed even when they were in a bad mood, even when they were in a good mood, even when Boo Radley was demonized, even when he was like kind of criminalized, like it just is like a relationship that you continue to come back to. Yeah. And there's gifts. Yeah. There's always, there's so many gifts in that little by little. And I really, I believe so much in, um, oof, all of a sudden I feel all like <laughs> a little, a little 
frequent um, about yeah. this, but like I believe so much in the little by little, like in the um, in that slow emergence, um, that I, I think it's why I I have um, why I live the way that I do, and and why I I continue to like look at our my personal and our collective relationship to like efficiency and productivity. Mm-hmm um and and the hustle and moving fast and you know all the things like that gets us somewhere I'm not saying it doesn't but like here we are and is this where we want to be or like I mean that's a great question but you know it's like like, yeah I feel a lot of us are asking like many of us are looking and people come to me every day like trying to figure out their purpose and not that that should I guess it's like, is our yeah. culture supporting us in, in, in like living, you know, fully. Yeah. And I know that there's all sorts of layers of yeah. like privilege. And, you know, there's so much to that, but yeah. the efficiency and the like, and the yeah. hustle, like, I don't think those cultivate that relationship. They don't cultivate yeah. the permanence, right? They don't sure. yeah. create space for commitment at the level that allows yeah. us to like, remember who we really are yeah 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 I remember I don't I know this is this phrase is like a overused phrase but I remember being like in eighth grade and one of our teachers told our class in a moment of frustration I think it was an English class they're like all you care about is like the end and she was like the journey is the destination and she yelled it at us in a way. And I was, I remember being like, that's the weirdest admonishment I've ever heard. <laughs> but it was, yeah, it was to get us to, to realize that it's all a part of, like getting there is as big of a part of the whole process as the end goal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have definitely yelled that. Uh, like my clients, but not like in an admonishing way, but in a like, <laughs> let's not forget. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That journey yeah. is the destination we make. We, we create where we're going with how we go. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't yeah. know that yeah. for a long time. That was not, that was certainly nothing that like came through in my activism. It was like, no, burn yourself out. let um, don't take care of yourself at all. Like, in fact, hold your pee for eight hours at a time. Yeah. <laughs> don't eat until yeah. in the afternoon. And yet all of that is going to somehow lead to all these other people around the world be, you know, like, like being uplifted and having yeah. the opportunity for a beautiful life, but don't have it yourself. Yeah, your UTI will free the world. So do it. <laughs> I mean, if only my if only my bosses had been paying my uh, my you know my UTI bills. I mean, what, eventually once they real once once they move past the revolutionaries don't need healthcare kick. So I was hoping that we would talk about that today because about UTIs. you have. Yeah, but specifically UTIs <laughs> and any other things that we excrete, <laughs> I'm down. But no, I I wanted to, 
um, because your story is so interesting to me. So, so you and I met on Instagram through, I would say like the Instagram spiritual community of Southern California is probably what brought us together, mm-hmm. but you have a huge other background in like political organizing that I don't think comes across like it's not front and center in your presentation in the world but it to me is like such a crux in the work that you do like it's like a heart center in a lot of the work that you do from my perspective and so I was wondering if you could just kind of like like talk about like how did you go from there to here or is that even the, the wrong way to look at it? Like, how did you get here, I guess? Yeah. And where are you? No, totally. I mean, I think, you know, just like quickly the, thank you. <laughs> thank you for seeing me. <laughs> I, I really appreciate that. And bless Instagram for bringing us together. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, what's interesting is that I think for a long time, you know, like why I moved into this work was so fueled from my, (laughs) but also in sort of a a psychic Christ, spiritual crisis of not knowing myself without my job. And at the time without my boyfriend, like if I imagine taking those things away again, this is my late twenties. I didn't know who I was and that was so scary to me. And so I had my own personal reasons for like starting to do some like deep in, you know, being used as this like um, renewable resource, right? Of like young, yeah. you know, college educated idealist, you know, kids coming out ready to like, you know, during the George W. Bush, uh, um time and, uh, and, and during the, you know, Afghanistan and Iraq wars. And it was just like, we were like, we were needed, like people, you know, it was like, it was not the same as today (laughs) where like everyone's an activist. It was like, yeah, we were weird. And there weren't that many of us like young people, you know, as it was like folks from the like sixties and seventies and anti-nuke activists that were like, you know, and old like uh, SDSers that were like, were, you know, beating the drum for peace. And so I got really used up and, and I, I believed in the work I was doing until I didn't because I couldn't, because I couldn't believe anymore that a movement made sense if it required me and others to like throw ourselves on the pyre you know, um, or to sacrifice the better way of saying sacrificing ourselves. And so I found my way to, you know, group of folks and the folks I was talking about earlier that we got issues, um, that's no longer active. Um, but was, was at the right moment for me at least. And, um, doing a, a, a year long process of like deep dive inner work. And that was, um, how I began to understand that, you know, that, that again, the movement, like 
I couldn't be a part of something that was asking so much of me. Yeah. Right. Like it didn't make sense anymore um, because I couldn't do it. So I was like, well, what's the point? Um, Mm -hmm. And I really then did want to help other activists. And what's so funny is like, they didn't want my help. (laughs) You know, like my activist clients were always the ones who were like, I hate hate to say this a little bit, but like the most like ungrateful or the ones who like refuse to even own their own creatorship, like to own their own, like things would change in their lives. And they'd be like, well, that's because of that thing over there. And I was like, stop being such a victim, you know, like, come on, like you made that happen. You, you, you shifted something inside of you. It's being reflected outside of you. That's how this works, you know? And, um, so I think that caused, that was a hard, that was a hard one for me to like, not fully know. And this was around Occupy time that I like went and got my like certification with my teachers, with my teacher's teachers and, um, and had this realization about activists and like what they weren't, <laughs> weren't yeah. went into. I think it's very different now. And I've been thinking a lot differently about it. Um, because a lot has changed since over the past decade and, and it started, you know, the healing justice movement, like little seeds were planted and I just, spiritual activism, totally, totally. So a lot has changed, but I think for me, from where I came from, um, as an activist and organizer and who wanted, who's like, you know, I saw us all, like lifting, trying to lift up the world and like, you know, hold up the world and like not have any ability to like hold up ourselves, yeah. see ourselves. And like, yeah. in fact, the like resistance to seeing ourselves, right. And yeah. all the, like, you know, um, the punk damage of, <laughs> you yeah. know, go in on, um, that comes with like, you know, being down for a cause and, and, yeah. you know, it can be just as toxic as any other programming, you know, any other dominant culture programming. It's just a resistance. Um, and so it causes the same level of, of, of pain over time. And um, yeah, so for me, thank you for, for like seeing me. And it's been, a, it's been an interesting, like I haven't led with it because I think I've been in a long process of understanding what that part of my life, even though I know how it led me here, like how to serve the, the co- a community that I love so dearly. Yeah. And, and that I'm so grateful. I feel very much like, you know, it's like my crone energy comes in big here where I'm like, yeah, like all the people out there that are like so involved and so activated. I'm like, yes, I know you're standing on my shoulders and I'm standing on the shoulders of so many. And I'm, I'm so grateful to have played a part, you know, when I was yeah. out doing some crazy stuff that like people were like, wow, that's so wild. And now everyone does it. And it's like, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's really yeah. like nourishing for my heart. And I think it's still taking some time for me to like, like pull the pieces together or like yeah. see where I fit or how I fit and like sometimes it's really clear and I I think that's where my like sort of slow down framework comes from um but it's also 
you know, still like, I don't know, it's, it's something I think a lot about and um, that I, I still think there's a lot ahead for me. Yeah. Sustainable activism and what that means. Yeah. It's funny because the more I think about the word activism, I'm like, it doesn't really mean anything in a way. It's like, oh, you mean to have an exercise your voice and yeah. take action in the world you live in? Like, isn't that just it, the bare minimum? <laughs> yeah. It, isn't that just being alive in a community? Mm-hmm. But, but then I look at like how easy it is to opt out of participating yeah. as a human being in a community, at least in the United States, that like activism had to become a thing because the, the status quo, like the norm is to just be so disengaged it from like the bigger picture, which I can even understand that too, because the bigger picture is gigantic and old. It's so, and, so big and so old. Yeah. yeah. So sticky. Yeah. So can you talk about like what your practice is now and what you do now? Yeah. Um, so I'm like what am my practice now I'm like <laughs> to, I mean like the past few I'll just say the past few weeks have been a little in, have been extra interesting um I know that word doesn't really mean very much but it, I'm I'm I I feel very much like space is being made for some big stuff and so I, I almost mm-hmm. feel a little bit like I don't like to use like machine analogies but I feel a little like offline yeah where it's like I can't quite fully get like I, I'm not I'm something else than I feel I feel like a little not myself yeah I'm also in a like one of my practices and this is what I teach my students is like about acceptance right and like because I, I don't I believe that like when we're in resistance like manifestation isn't available to us right like creation like we'll create the from the resistance place right so I feel a little like I'm doing a lot of sewing these days Um, oh cool (laughs) like um, I'm I'm doing a lot of like Virgo moon stuff just like organizing things in my house like my business not as much for whatever reason, it's just giving me like a little bit like, don't worry, we're over here. We're okay. Everything's good. Like other things, even though they don't feel that important, I'm trying to like, okay, for whatever reason, like sewing this like comforter for my bed or whatever feels very important. I ironed a napkin today. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know, like weird desires. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm just, I'm processing like everyone else's right in this, like this wild year and I know like how much delay processing there is and I'm like yeah maybe that's some of this I'm not even gonna really try to figure it out so yeah I'll just say like acceptance and like being in a very like compassionate like non-resistance of my experience and my desires and my thoughts and my needs Um, and it is active even though I feel like I said a little offline I'm not like a zombie or anything. Right. But it's, I feel very much like I'm being asked to like focus a lot of energy on like walking uh, my talk 
right? Which is always yeah. something I strive to do, but there's like a next level of it coming through right now. So yeah. there's no like, here's my launch from a new program. It's just right. like, oh, I'm in a place of like deep contemplation. And some days it's like really potent messages feel like they're like firing through me. And then some days I'm, I'm yeah. napkins and I just have yeah. to a-okay with the balance of that. So yeah, they'll have my clients. I have a one-on-one practice and like, I have, you know, n- n- new folks coming in all the time and, you know, we're doing that deep, like mindset work, um, you know, emotional resilience work, energy work together to like help folks really sort through the layers, the bigness yeah. you know, of it all and get more aligned with the truth of who they really are. And I have group programs and things like that. So that's like, um, but that practice is, is that like commitment to connection, um, that like compassionate, like non-resistance, um, yeah. uh, to like really just tending tending to myself, like letting my wants and, and needs and desires, like be what they are and to like meet myself consistently. And this is again, what I teach, like without judgment. And that's a practice. That's a real little by little (laughs) situation over there. Cause that self judgment, I know I really like learned it deep from, you know, my, my dad is, is very judgmental of himself. Not, he was never of me, um, but really judgmental of himself. And I learned that as like, a, that's how you prod yourself forward. Yeah. And I think a lot of us get that, you know, and, and totally. it's not, it's, it's a, it's a way forward. I don't even know if that's the right word in that, in the paradigm of the, like the ambition, the proficiency, yeah. the efficiency and I'm, I'm not convinced at this point that that's not just like a loop, you know, or, yeah. or the image that comes up a lot is like the like La Brea tar pits. Have you ever been there? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Yeah. God, it used to scare the hell out of me as a kid. I would like dream about the tar pits and, you know, being all it's sticky. scary. It's so scary. But like that, where you're just like, you can't see that every move you're, this is dark, but like but I appreciate it. Like, like every move you're making is just entrenching you deeper, you know, into something that is slowly immobilizing you. Yeah. Right. And like, will slowly like suck the life from you, drain the life from you. And like, I know that sounds drastic, but I really think that that's the dominant culture. Yeah. it, It moves so slowly in a way even with like the weird paradox, right? Paradox is law here uh, of like how fast we're taught to go, but that like we move so fast that we can't see that we're slowly like digging ourselves deeper, deeper, right? It's like, it's so fascinating and it takes like a lifetime to see it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's happening faster for folks now though. I think they're seeing it. Like the, the, realization of where they're like how they're being asked to be stuck because of society's fixation on productivity and yeah and they're like box yeah yeah I think so too yeah I just was talking to Julian the owner of most angels today and I was like this pandemic has 
being in quarantine and not working like a regular schedule has like, I've, I've broken away from, and not on purpose, but because, oh, excuse me, because the pandemic asked us to, I've broken away, <laughs> I've broken to yawn chain, broken away from like the energy that it took to like be in the everyday world, like working and then going grocery shopping and coming home and doing homework and then getting up and doing it again the next day. I'm like, I can do one thing a day now. And it's not, I'm sure if I have to, I can rebuild that stamina, but like, this feels more like my natural speed. And before I was just overdoing it, cause that's what we're expected to do. Right. I yeah. mean, you know how I feel about slow down as medicine, you know, and I, yeah, I felt at the beginning of the pandemic, um, I was, I felt like everyone, everyone had crash landed on like this little yeah. Island I had been living on, um, this little slow down Island I'd been, you know, living on and sort of building my little like beach hut and my little coconut radio or whatever. I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> living there for like a while and had been, you know, made my little like existence over here. Yeah. Everyone just like cruise liners, just people dropping out of the sky, whatever, like crashing into it. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, like, welcome. And also like, you know, there was a part of me that was like, oh shit. Okay. Now I need to hustle and get a bunch of stuff, whatever, help these people. And I was just like, oh, right. That's not the point, right? Like the point yeah. isn't for me to now hustle to meet folks. Like I'll just be yeah. here with my little coconut radio and my like, whatever, like, you know, um, my little Island time, my little slowdown time and, and, and welcome folks who, yeah. and like, and like not sugarcoat it and be like, you know what? This is going to be a little bit of a bumpy acclimation. Yeah. And because it is slow down yeah. because if it was, you know, I think about this a lot, like things like if, if dismantling the, you know, the, the dominant culture inside of yourself and externally were easy, we would have done it by now. Right. Like, yeah. And so yeah. it's not easy. And it's only really full of like scary shit and discomfort. However, I believe it's, it's, it's about like learning to, and this is part of my practice is like learning to relate to discomfort and fear and the parts of you that feel those things and have those things as protectionary warnings that like relate to those parts of yourself differently. And that's, the magic, right? Like that's what allows slow down medicine to go from, from feeling like, uh, uh, just like the, the worst thing to, to, to medicine. Yeah. Yeah. Tension changes and then the dose changes, right? So yeah, totally. Yeah. I, I remember at the beginning, at the very beginning of the pandemic, I was like, we have to get everything we did in person online. Let's do it now. And I remember there was a time, like a time came where I was like, this is just not going to work for me. And, and I remember like having to be okay with telling people like, I don't care because (laughs) I didn't care, but I was faking caring and like caring is a way of being 
outside of your body in a sense like with that that anxiety caring like I have to care about this and I have to care about that and I have to make sure we meet this and do that and and then finally being able to say like I really I don't care if we didn't get it online I don't like not I don't care as in I don't care about a person but like if we don't make the deadline we just move the deadline like I don't care it's fine right and that was yeah but I interpreted that as depression at first yeah like oh I don't care then I must there must be something wrong with me because I am known to care right that that like I am one who cares right and like I love that story because it's like you know, you were confronted with your identification, your over-identification as one who cared, which becomes more about like the, the, the act, the doing of the caring. Yes, (laughs) exactly. And the the outward manifestation of the caring, you know, which I feel like, you know, Instagram is just like a really intense reflection of that one. Um, versus like one who cares one who is caring which must extend to the self which must extend inward otherwise it's a performance right or maybe a a projection I must be the one who cares because I'm not the one who cares it won't get done or if I'm not the one who cares then do I have value if I'm not the one who cares will I be loved right it's like all these fears are the reasons why we create these identities and sure maybe I I yes I I I feel like I am attracted more to people who maybe have that identity because I've had that identity right myself and it's still in there but I've done a lot of work with it but like you know then someone who doesn't have that particular identification but like but it can be just as toxic and warped yeah. and, and full of pain as any other identification, as the same as an totally. identification of someone who's like, I don't care about any other people, right? I'm associated with yeah. whatever. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. It's the same. And yeah. I think those identifications, those over-identifications, like again, I, you know, I that's also part of my, my, my practice and like what I do with myself a lot and others, which is like, you know, who's the truth of who we really are. Yeah. Here has given a lot of folks some opportunity to to, to see that. And then like, who, who, what are the ways that I, that I learned to be, or that I felt I had to be, or I was taught to be, in order to feel safe in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I have a friend who lives in New York. He's a man who's about our age and he is not in this world at all. So he like, I've known him since high school and he like is not a self-help individual, not a therapy individual. And he was like all, he lives in like a big apartment complex in um, Prospect Park. And there's like a courtyard in the center. And he's like, those are the only people I see now. We meet in the courtyard because we're like a big bubble. So we like meet in the courtyard and, and you know what? He's just like, you know, people aren't going to want to go back to work. 
they're getting so used to enjoying their lives and not having to work. They just don't want to go back. And I was like, welcome to my world. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Take that and run with it. And don't ever look back. What will, I mean, they're gardening, they're feeding each other. They have like community organizing days. They have like childcare for each other in this I mean, courtyard. Like time for any of that before when we were so busy being busy, you know? Yeah. I mean, who even had time to like trust your neighbors or get to know your neighbors before? Like, yeah, it's, it's so, there are so many cool blessings so many you know yeah. you know we never did the we never did our you know like we we had talked early in the pandemic about you know talking about the apocalypse of people and we never did it but it, it has truly unveiled some oh yeah things. oh yeah we had our little like finding ourselves in each other because yeah. then that was like yeah the apocalypse our apocalypse framing then like yeah came close to the you know, to the uprising, we're like, oh, we're not talking about that being an apocalypse yet. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's, let's move some words around here. But yeah, I think, I mean, yeah, that unveiling, I, I, I've had such like, you know, just, just like everyone else. And I said, you know, here I am like ironing napkins. I was like, perhaps some delayed processing of this year. I don't know. Um, But I know we're all like in this together, but since the beginning, I've had such, um, and I know that it's a, I say this from a place of privilege because I, I live out in the desert, right? I don't live in a big city anymore. Um, I, I own a home, um, have my own business. I work for myself. Like there are a lot of things like you know, and that I can like track all the way back and understand. So I, I say, I acknowledge that, but, and like, I've had a lot of hope, <laughs> um, throughout this yeah. year. Um, and, and hope is a little by little thing too, right? It's a practice, yeah. not, you know, there's yeah. a difference. it's not a, a blind faith, um, you know, or even a bright faith, right? It's like that verifying faith. It's like that thing that, you you know, it's like you're learning over time and you show up with it and you get a little hurt with the hope and then you like come back with it and you find a place for it. And you, you know, I I find it really like a a beautiful practice hope, but like I had so much hope for us and, and I don't know what's coming next, but but I, I believe so deeply in the slow down medicine and the ways that it yeah. has worked its ways with folks knowing that it's also been incredibly painful this year and this time yeah. and, and, and people losing so much and, um, but loss has always been here and I know it's showing yes. up differently right now. Um, but I think there's a reorientation to loss that we're learning Um, and, and I think paired, I don't know if I've ever said this out loud, so that, you know, this is my first go, but like paired the, with the, like, with the slowdown, I, I don't know what comes out on the other side, but I think it's a new equation for us. I hope so. You know, and, and it might be one of the little by littles. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. 
a little smidge of a thing that we don't even fully see until like a few years out and we're like oh wow that was happening then you know yeah yeah I think what you're pointing to something I've been contemplating a lot lately is I don't know how this is related but I'm gonna walk it back victimhood versus agency Mm -hmm. and how we've you know in the social justice paradigm there's no room for agency everyone is a victim to a system everyone is oppressed everyone is powerless in a sense what what they're saying is everyone is powerless this is my take on it after being like in so many social justice you know education spaces and stuff like that i'm I'm here right here with you (laughs) yeah i know but for people that might be listening that oh yes no this is get where i'm coming from um there there's an an, an erasure of the agency of the people that that activists are like advocating for and So I've been just contemplating, like, how do we hold both the powerlessness and the the experience of being a victim to a system of oppression and at the same time, the inherent agency of all human beings Mm -hmm. that we always, always have a choice. And so like you're, when you said that our relationship with loss is transforming, that's what that speaks to for me, because I think that we really like in the colonial world that we live in, loss is equated to victimhood. Like there's no it's really impossible for our society to conceive of loss as, you know, uh, you, you know, like a, a doorway to something new too. We like, we really believe, we really believe in death. We really believe in extinction. We really believe in these like end terms, terminal things. And so loss feels like, well, you can't be anything else other than a victim. And I know people that have lost like I just was on a call with someone that lost like three people to COVID in, in a matter of one month. And so like that loss is huge, but that person, there just has to inherently within that loss and that grief be some silver linings, some, some thing to bring them through, you know? So yeah, yeah I, 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 I hear that in the stuff that you're saying. Yeah. Maybe that's why also we're, because like a loss maybe has to be tempered or balanced with something. Otherwise we might all just like, you know, um, <laughs> like, like it's been being tempered with this togetherness that I, I, I know not everyone's having that, ex- you know, the experience of like your friend in the courtyard, but like a lot of yeah. us are in different ways, um, and yeah. not con- maybe, and maybe not consistently, but like, you know, yeah. like I, I think there's a, a connection. And again, this is why I love grounding so much, right. Is a very simple practice of this, like that it's a, it's a balance to loss and like not loss is some negative thing, but it's just like a balance, right. Like things need yeah. counterweights, you know? Yeah. And, and I, yeah. and I mean, I think that's why like so many cultures, it's like you grieve, um, uh, you grieve in a collective, right? Or you, 
Yeah. You know, in the same way that you would, like, I'm a big fan of, um, uh, uh, the writer and, and, and philosopher really, uh, Sabon Fusome, who passed a few years ago and, um, has, has, uh, done so much like beautiful guidance for folks. Uh, she was part of the Dagora tribe in West Africa, I believe. And, um, uh, but did a lot of work around grief and had like brought that work, you know, Western. And there are a lot of, uh, folks who, uh, who, who trained with her. I was unfortunately not one of them. Um, but like that, the idea of like grieving in a collective space, right. And I think that's what we've yeah. been learning how to do. Right. So even though like our togetherness doesn't look like you're all look like your friend in the, you know, the courtyard bubble, like there's a togetherness, that we've been doing because we've been having these collective experiences even though we've been having collective experiences all along but this the one of loss sort of transcends a lot of the like artificial boundaries Mm -hmm. we've created between ourselves right or that you know that we've been perpetuating forward through this culture of separation that like those get a little more blurred and something happens there when those boundaries are blurred and and, and, and so there's a, I don't know, there's a, a tempering maybe that's happening and, um, you know, it's part of like, I think what will help send us through, I don't know, yeah. you know like that's like ushering yeah. us, us forward. And, and I appreciate yeah. your like agents, you know, your, the conversation on social justice and agency there because, and the victimhood um, is this a really beautiful way to say it and think about it. And, and that's, you know, exactly when you asked me earlier, like how I got here, like, that's how I got here. Yeah. You know, it was like, I watched all that victimhood and I was like, I, I can't believe that that's what we're saying is going to change the world saying like those people over there don't deserve to be victims. And the way that I, I am going to relieve them, right? All this weird fucking awful white saviorism. And then like uh, the way that I'm going to relieve them of their victimhood is by embodying it fully myself. Yeah. I'm sorry. Like no way. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. I had a friend who, um, in high school, I, I have been thinking about this so much lately, but, um, I think this is maybe the single most, I have never told him this the single most impactful thing on my politics. And I didn't realize it at the time, but his dad was a like registered member of the communist party. If that's even a thing. Anyway, he was very active in the communist party. He was um, a professor at a university and my friend would talk about all the time, like, Oh yeah, the FBI raided our house. Like he was very active and very still in the nineties, like, you know, being spied on and everything. And I remember him telling our class in the midst of learning in world history about the Cold War and just saying, like, that's not what communism is at all, the way it's being told in this book. Like, we don't want to bring everyone down. We want to bring everyone up. up yeah. And it just, like, blew my mind. That paradigm shift blew my mind. And, and so, yeah, this idea that activism one social justice recognizes injustice okay I get that but then to like 
just label an entire groups of people as having like zero power, zero agency is to perform the same things that the system is performing. And it just, whether I agree with it or not, it's an act of futility. It's just like, it doesn't even, it's illogical even, but it's like all we know in this, in this culture is whether the ideology is different or not, the tools are the same. We you try oh, to yeah. use the same tools. Totally, yeah. right? It's part of that like sticky sink <laughs> sinking and, and being caught yeah. in that loop. And um something you just said, like, so you know what you were saying about about agency and like and 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 deciding, right? Because like who gets to be the deciders in this paradigm, yeah. right? Like deciding that all these people have no agency. And um, and I think something that this was like this conversation, they created this, David and Gail created this empowerment model um, that I learned and and then eventually, you know, started teaching. Um, and it it's it's about remembering agency, right? So it's not that. Yeah. People don't have it, but there is, um, and maybe even remembering isn't even quite the right word. I'm not sure, but um, that's how I've thought about it. Like, it's about like work doing the empowerment work, right? That I do, like working yeah. mindset and emotions, all these things. It's like it, there's a process of like remembering your your power, remembering your agency, because yeah we do live in a culture that would not that like would would not be able to continue if everybody remembered that they have agency yes right and and yeah. then we're we're living in it like that that yeah. wouldn't hold that would that would topple right that would dismantle yeah. and yeah. so like there are all these things in place that you know that 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 create that separation yeah so that we get to be like, all right, well, those people are that and those people are that and I'm over here and that. And like, yeah. I get to have this, you can't have that. It's like all the separation is part of the like collective forgetting. Yeah. <laughs> or the collective like, um, I don't know, the word dismembering is, makes more sense. <laughs> like dismembering yeah. from agency. Yeah. So but that's why we can activate it. Like it's there. Yeah. yeah. It, it, but again, it can take practice to come back yeah. to it. And I, and like, I really, that's, I mean, that's what I'm doing here. Like, that's what I yeah. do with my work. It's about yeah. a, a, a practice to remember your agency. Yes. It's like a collective anesthetizing. It's like a collective, like we're collectively, under anesthesia and I felt this so deeply when when it was you know being revealed how many you know families are being separated at the border and how like no I'm not gonna say nobody because there are definitely activists doing work to resist mm -hmm. that but like by and large we did not get upset as a culture we did not get upset about that or we got as upset as our anesthetism would let us and then past that point we like wash our hands of it because like we can't do anything anyway and right. 
that just that 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 was like the first time in a very long time that I felt like can anyone else see what I'm seeing like can it why can anyone else like forget party lines forget politics like can anyone I saw like a, a video on I forget like Al Jazeera or whatever of like a three-year-old sitting in a chair defending himself at an immigration hearing. Yeah. And it, it, I was just like, this is uh, like absurd. This is like Alice through the looking glass. This is just, it, it's irreality. Well, I think we've maybe traded in this idea of like, having an opinion is the same as having agency. Yeah. And yeah. It's not the same. They're not totally unrelated, but like, but we've put all the like, you know, all the energy that would go into like having agency and like seeing something and being like, oh, that is this or that. And I'm going to like, you know, I'm going to like, you know, as we were saying, like the kind of the bare minimum, I'm going to like stand up and do something about this, um, that, that I mean that again that like things are changing now but that's not a that's not something that's been taught as a comfortable or like right way to like be a part of this system yeah you know like and and I mean, that's why, like, it was so, I remember one time I went to, I used to go to this, I lived in LA, I went to this bar, The Dime, all the time, and um, uh, I was sitting at the, at the bar, I was single, ready to mingle, whatever, and, <laughs> um, and I, I was having a drink, and some guy sat down, and he was like, so what do you do, and I was like, oh, I'm a, I'm a political activist and organizer, and he just, turned his little swivel away. all the way around right like homer simpson and i just remember like it didn't hurt my feelings i was like oh man geez this bar maybe i better find a new one um but i i just i don't know i bring that up because it was like it was such a weird i felt like it was such a weird thing like people were always telling me and luckily i really love being weird you all listening to this can't see my amazing outfit right now. So <laughs> no, not my weirdness. Um, I guess you could just look at my Instagram. Some of it's weird, but I, I always, I, I love that. Like, I love being weird, but like, it was such a, it felt, I was always being told how weird it was, like what I was doing and what we yeah. were doing. And, and we were, you know, I worked with the group code pink for a long time and you know, whatever, there's plenty to say about, about that, that group and, and, and how we moved through the world. But like, we did some really beautiful work that was so audacious, you know, and was so just like, oh, what's more offensive, like killing a million Iraqis or like, you know, my body, you know, or whatever, you know, like, putting some red paint on my hands and yelling at Condoleezza Rice or trying to arrest Carl Rove, like whatever. It's like, but it's, that was a way that like, I learned to understand like how to transmute my anger into action and like action that could be caring, 
right? Like, yeah. sure, it was like a little confused and I had <laughs> a lot of projection, whatever stuff, like mommy stuff I was yeah. working through. But like, I, that I think is something that has changed now over time. And it's not, and I think that says a lot about us, to be honest, like as a culture yeah. and the way that we've grown that like, that we can see like that action must be taken. Um, yeah. And, and it's like our collective willingness to be uncomfortable. Cause it was, I stormed a lot of stages. I disrupted a lot of politicians and every single time I thought I was going to just pee my pants. Right. Like yeah. there wasn't a, it, it wasn't like grounding where it was like, Oh, no big deal. I can just like tune into it. Yeah. Jump right in. It was like, no, I was scared yeah. shit every time. Yeah. Um, but like learning to work with your fear is part of agency and like yeah. really as a white person, like releasing my right to comfort is part of agency and it's part yeah. of how I share power and how I share agency. Yeah. How I, I perhaps help others in remembering theirs. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think it's a really, uh, I mean, I think it's a really potent place for us to be like where we are and to like, and, and to consistently examine our relationship to, to yeah. agency and to remember there's like no right or wrong way. And it is a little by little. Um, yeah. I don't know. There's, there's much to say and, and, and feel about it, but I feel hopeful. Like I do too. I do too. I, I feel like, um, so like, I've been talking a lot, we've been talking a lot on this podcast, um, about unsuitability. Oh yes. Um, I love this conversation. And, and to me, like, there was a point where I was like, so I, I was doing this fieldwork project on the border and on asylum seekers. And I was at, a place where it wasn't even about agency anymore because it felt it feels truly like specifically with a border where there's like no place there's no way for anyone to like the best you can do as a physical like demonstration is go stand outside of something like you know like it's so out of the hands yeah it's so out of the hand but but it was so unsuitable to do nothing that I was like I bought these materials. I was going to just stand outside of the immigration um, courthouse in downtown LA with a sign every day. I was like, I'll just go every day. Even if it's just an hour a day, I'll just go because I don't have anything else to do. I'm, I'm, you know, like I have a flexible work schedule. I, you know, like I work from home, essentially. I don't have to go to school. I can do this with my time. And so many people who I would consider radical who whose opinions political opinions I respect talked me out of it and and were like like couldn't understand that like I know it will do nothing but I also have no other choice than to do this like Mm -hmm. there's no it's it feels unbearable in my body to do nothing and so like doing a thing even if it amounts to no large scale change is, 
I have to do it. And I couldn't believe like how many people were just like, that's stupid. That's not going to do anything. You're t- you are doing something by writing a paper about it that no one's going to read. You're like, it just, it was the, the, the powerlessness is so deep in all of us that like, Oh yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, and, and I think that this, this is like, again, I don't know. I, I can't, sometimes I think about it as like the like self-correction of the matrix kind of thing, you know, (laughs) where it's it's like, you know, we learn even those of us who, uh, you know, who do movement work, um, like we get, we still, we're not immune from that, like efficiency, productivity, right. You know, like biggest is bigger is better, which is just a scarcity paradigm, you know, whatever side of capitalism, which is just one big scarcity paradigm. So of course it shows up all over the place, but like that, like, unless it's moving all these people, it's not worth the time. Yeah. And like, it's that, that's not, you know, that's like the same thing of like, oh, well, voting in the presidential election is the only way to make change. It's like, oh my God, if that was it, like, no wonder people yeah. feel so apathetic about it because yeah. it's like, oh, like the worst, like yeah. it's the chess move, but it's not the whole game, you know? And yeah. you forget, it's easy. I forgot too, as like a movement person, you know, and I would strive to, I did all these huge things like on the national mall and organized all these big protests and you know we're of like hundreds of thousands of people and uh, you know like the things that moved me most because those mostly just exhausted me but like the things that moved me most would be like uh like I once made my then boyfriend now um, husband uh, stand outside of a recruitment office in Times Square and we had a sign that was like don't enlist stay and kiss that way everyone makes out I think it was Valentine's Day and <laughs> and we just like kissed for like an hour and and then other people were doing it and, and started doing it and I don't know like just yeah. small small matters yeah small really matters slow matters these tiny things like this is how we begin the practice of commitment you know and and it's a fractal thing right like absolutely it's like you we get confused that like we need to have a bunch of fractals right we need to have like the biggest possible collection of fractals when it's like no, if you can feel the thing, if you can experience the thing in the smallest action, that's it. It doesn't matter how big it is. Like it's moving something. It's doing what it's supposed to do. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And from an Akashic perspective, it would be like, not that society means nothing, but like each individual is the center of the universe. And so it's about the movement within the self that changes and ripples and, and impacts everyone else in the collective. And it's, and so like that, that's, I think like everything that we're talking about is like why I broke away from social justice and made a greater commitment to decoloniality because it's again, 
like in from a decolonial perspective, we're looking for where the pitfalls that we've been caught up in that are actually actually just reifying, you know, like mm-hmm. the master's tools, like where, yeah. yeah. So many yeah. of them. Wait, can I play podcaster interviewer for a second? Ask you a question. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, so we were just talking a little bit about like, kind of like about self-centeredness, which is like one of yeah. my favorite topics. And like, I really want to write uh-huh. one day and just call it like self-centered, you know, and like, but like emphasis on self and emphasis on centered, right? Like it gets a, there's another connotation to it that I think we all relate to more, but yeah. this idea of like, I love, you know, that like we're all the center of the universe. Um, like, but then in the, but in the, in the opening prayer to open the records, right. There's yeah. a, there's that statement of like, remove me from all forms of self-centeredness. Or, yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and it's funny because whenever I open my own records, like I feel just like, and I've thought about it a lot and done some writing around it, you know? So like, I, I, I like have my own feelings now about it, but I always get a little snaggy on that, on that one sentence. And yeah. I was just wondering, like, I don't know. I wanted to ask you like more about how you feel about self-centeredness and like, yeah. Um, yeah. And so we do acknowledge of forces of light. What is it? It's, something yeah the self-centeredness and direct my attention to the work at hand is according to linda howe that is a command to mute the personal ego so that you might be a more clear and uninterfering channel for the records Mm -hmm. so it's literally talking to your own internal monologue to telling and telling it to shut up for the minute for like while you're in the records yeah um oh, got it. oh that's so helpful yeah yeah and so like she always like says like if you feel like you are not being clear like if you feel like your own opinion is starting to get too much in the way you can tell yourself those two lines again to help quiet mm-hmm. yourself again um I this is really funny because I'm in a class right now about community organization. I don't even know what it's called, but um, (laughs) the teacher was like, he's a kind person, (laughs) but he was like, I'm sorry, if you're doing yoga and meditation, you're not doing social change. And I was like, I'm going to push back on you because I think I get what you're, I get what he's saying. What, what he should have elaborated on was if you are a person of privilege or a white person and what you have committed to is your own personal practice Mm -hmm. of yoga and meditation without engaging in community, then you are not doing anything for social change, which I still would push back on, but I think that's what he was, Mm -hmm. I think that's more what he meant, but he didn't Mm -hmm. say all those you know, mm-hmm. additions that I put on. <laughs> that's actually the only, maybe he didn't mean that. And that's the only way that I can make his statement. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it's hard. It's hard. I think this is my flip from where I came from social justice and education and community work to now being like having a healing practice and working with a client, you know, one-on-one client base and stuff. Was that like, 
if we cannot understand the places where we impose carcerality or limitations on ourselves, then we absolutely cannot construct external structures that are free of those things. Like we cannot defund the police out there without also defunding the police inside. In, in here, yeah. Exactly. And that's mm-hmm. like the break between social justice and spirituality for such a long time was like, there's no, the only thing that should be dissolved and, sh- and changed and abolished are these external structures without giving any um, attention to the psyche and how it reproduce, how it, it was the, the psyche is the original place of prisons. It's like, it's where the prison was born inside before it was mm-hmm. built. It was like, mm, someone yeah. had to dream it first before it, it didn't appear out of nowhere. Right. And, and, and spirituality, maybe, especially like Western white spirituality has put too much weight on the internal and not on the external. And so I feel like the place where I am now is doing the internal work situated in the context of the external world. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I think that if we can, I mean, this is what I really strive for in my work is if, if I can, if I can teach you how to dismantle, like really like, and all the things that go into dismantling, which isn't just ripping yeah. something apart, right? right? But if I can teach you how to dismantle, like, and, pra- and use your yourself and your oldest patterns as yeah. as as your practice ground, right? Yeah, plenty of work there to yeah. do. Yeah, right? like, and then you will know what dismantling feels like. Yeah, and you will know what change feels like you will know you will can learn great compassion and acceptance and and there's so much available in the internal dismantling and that we do it in the framework of the collecting of collective dismantling right Right. yeah always a reference point back out right to like because you could take any limiting belief um and i don't necessarily do this with every client but um uh it's like, you can take any limiting belief that shows up for someone and you could track it back to supremacy. Totally. Right? Yeah. So it's like, yeah, the dismantle, like, and I didn't always make those connections, like really like starkly. And now I do much more. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would reference it and, you know, but there's a different framework and, and that this year yeah. has amplified greatly for me. Um, but that, if we can, if we learn how to dismantle internally with, with like a very clear connection to the collective, yeah. like, I think what we're doing yeah. with our inner work is allowing us to be so much better at that outer work. And that's yeah again, how I got here. Cause like even the best of us, like even the like smartest organizers, it was like, everyone got brain drain, everyone burned out, everyone sacrificed yeah. something. And I was like, mm, that's not it. That's not, yeah. you're so, we're all so good and look at us together and we can move mountains. And it wasn't enough Yeah, because it, it was, we were still stuck in the tar pits a little, you know yeah. what I mean? Totally. I mean, like, that's like why te- teachers 
on average don't last more than five years. Most of them only three years. I only taught for three years. My school closed. I probably would still be there right now if it hadn't, but like the number doesn't lie in a sense. And this is like the exact, these are all the conversations. So like, to me, the dismantling comes from acknowledging, looking for and acknowledging what unmet needs we have and how we use the systems of oppression within ourselves to meet those unmet needs. So like, Mm -hmm. if we feel unsafe because of whatever traumas we've experienced, then we will impose borders. And then it's no wonder we have a giant border in the Southern part of our country at judges who can and cannot pass through, you know, like, Mm -hmm. but to me, that's like a collective wounding of, of, of powerlessness that has led to a feeling of a sense of unsafety, like being unsafe. So like, if we can acknowledge those unmet needs, then we can use all of our goodness and our wisdom to like find other ways to meet those needs that don't inflict limitation on others, but we have to be aware of those unmet needs. Yeah. Right. I mean, that awareness, like, I mean, nothing's available for shift without awareness and being really specific about awareness, right? Like that's, yeah, I feel like a really important part of it. It's like, yeah. Oh, I just have low self-esteem. It's like, no, that I'm sorry, not enough. And I, I don't yeah. mean that in a judgment way. It's just like, you know, yeah. but, you know, there's there's no movement there available there, right? Yeah. Like we have to get down. And that is where yeah. that self-centered is like yeah. you have to be willing to to send to go into your center, yeah. to go yeah. to your core yeah. and yeah. and to see how like everything that's there everything you've pushed down into those shadow lands and resisted or everything that like has been so painful to look at, like, it's not just in you, it's in all of us, right? It's like our real shared common humanity. Um, And, and we can remember that, that we can move it. Right. And until we are willing to look, right. And I think that's like, the catches it was for me as an activist was like I was not willing to look because like looking was a sign of weakness or a sign of like of of conformity or a sign of neoliberalism which like whatever you could talk a lot about neoliberal and spiritual world but like yeah but like it was a it it was not like by the rules of like punk law, like you could not like go within. And I think we were missed. I know we were missing so much. And like, it was like, we weren't all the way turned on when we, when we didn't do that. And that's why we burnt out so much quicker. You know, it was like only drawing from the tiniest parts of ourselves. Yeah. But that was the most, that probably could happen at that time based on the what supports society could lend activists you know totally totally which is why I was like well I'm gonna go and figure out how to be part of whatever the next thing is like yeah you know and 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 maybe one day I'll be 
the person or not the person, just a person um, that can stand in a place of like, Hey, this is what sustainable activism looks like. And here's what it entails. And here are some things that I've learned and they're here for you too. Should you feel, feel the call, you know? And I don't know. I think there's being the dismantling and then being part of, or, creating the what's next is yeah it's not an either or it felt like it felt like an either or for a long time as an activist it was like yeah no I'm like oh right no yeah no (laughs) we don't the binary is a colonial byproduct yeah we okay so we've now almost been on this call for an hour and a half oh and we're we're gonna have to end it soon but I feel like we were just about to start talking about manifestation and the law of attraction world, which is our favorite thing to talk shit about. Um, We should schedule another conversation for that because that conversation is so important. I'm sure that you, I mean, I'm guessing you have a lot of clients. I certainly have a lot of clients that want to know about how do I manifest this and that. And I think a lot of it is because they feel lack and that's the language they've been given and the concepts that they've heard of, but I hate it. And I want to talk about it with you, but I don't think we can do it today because that's going to be like another juicy deep dive. It's so juicy. And like I said before, when we were chatting before, like, I, I think this is part of, I mean, I'm not sure, but it makes sense to me when I think it and say it, like, I think this is why part of me is a little offline. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't quite understand it, but like when I ask the, that, the feeling that experience, like, why are we, why are we here? It's just like, "Mm, this thing is like taking up some space and it's like sort of working this like reorientation around manifestation. And it's just, it's taking up like space. Again, I don't normally do this, but like on my hard drive or something, you know, like, yeah. I don't like to equate myself with the machine, but it's like taking up space and I can't necessarily access it all right now, but it's happening. And so, yes, it's, yeah, it's a bit, it's a big one. Yeah. Or it feels that way, at least from here. So I'm really excited for that too. And I'm, and I trust that like that conversation will happen in the perfect way. I think so too. It's something that has been stewing and brewing for me for like two years. And I've been, cause people have asked me like teach a class about like people specifically said, can you teach a class about manifestation or law of attraction for women of color or for people of color? And I knew that like my answer is always like, yes, that is so important, but I didn't know why, like I knew that it had to do with racism and supremacy and colonialism, but I couldn't fully articulate it. So I also am letting it brew and stew until, you know, the kettle whistles. And then I know it'll be time to take it off the fire and work with it. So I think it's going to come up soon. I think so too. I think it is soon because Um, I think it's part of the, like, where we're being guided next in our sort of collective under like integration of everything that's happened 
this year, everything that's led to this yeah. time, like there's going to be um, a shift that's necessary, uh, like around integration and like, yeah, how, do, how, do we, how do we move forward and live in these new ways? Like I think of the yeah. movie Arrival. I don't know if you ever saw it. Yeah, I love that movie. Oh my God. <laughs> my partner and I, like we went and saw it at the movie theater and it was when it came out, um, and I think that was in, was that 2016? I don't know. Something there was like that. Yeah. I think it was like, there was a lot happening in the world at the time. And yeah. we like came out of the movie and we just hugged each other and bawled on the street, <laughs> just like crying our eyes out. Cause it was so moving and whatever I watched it since then and not cried my eyes out in the same way. But, but what I got from that and I think I was reading emergent strategy or had somewhere around that time too. And whatever, there's like having a lot of thoughts and feelings about things of like, we don't even have the language yeah. yet for, for the transformation that we like can are starting to like, like taste and sense. Yeah. Right. But we, there's not a language for it again, back to this yeah. conversation of like the same tools aren't going to get us there. Right. And yeah. so there's a new language and I think this year has been instrumental in in showing us that and and giving us some of that and like, like and giving us a lot of, of the pieces yeah. of sensing um and I think there's the new language that yeah. is rising and that we won't even by speaking it we won't even necessarily know yeah. what it's doing as we speak it, right? Totally. So like even yeah. us talking about it now, I believe is part of that like initial speaking it into existence, mm-hmm. you know? I agree, totally. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's a little by little. Um, Definitely. So we always end, I know I didn't ask you this beforehand, but we always end with like practical tools that are helping us right now. So I'm wondering if you, I mean, like you offered a very beautiful meditation at the beginning. That's definitely one thing that you like Mm -hmm. people can do, but do you have other things or tools, like think practices or tools or like, you know, it could be anything that you're using right now to assist in slowness, assist in coping with these times or like ironing napkins. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Um, So it's a great question. Um, I mean, I'll just be really honest first. Like, I mean, I'll be honest the whole time, but like it, like the ironing napkins and the like sewing and the like baking cooking thing you know just like the very um you know things that are like obviously can be steeped in beautiful like cultural familial histories and just like ways literally to like slow down the mind and body so like yeah that like I I I don't take any of those for granted (laughs) like I try to be as fully present with an iron napkin you know a napkin ironing as I can um, knowing that it's doing something inside of me and for me. Uh-huh. Um, um, let's see, I guess I would just say like, Hmm, there's so many, like, there's so many wonderful practices, um, 
that I like to share and offer with folks, I guess the like, let me just check. Um, yeah, so the one when I was just asking, like, um, the one that was coming up was um, around emotions and it's, re I mean, God, it's so simple. And it, maybe I can put a couple links to some stuff, free stuff that I offer like mm -hmm. initial notes or whatever. But like when I, I just asked, it was like just the practice of um, naming your emotions. Yeah. <laughs> so that's not even like a full, you know, it's not like I here's a step one, yeah. step two, step three kind of thing. But right. it's like when, when you're feeling what you're feeling, right? Cause we judge, you know, we've been taught to like judge our emotions. And so yeah. what that does is it, it takes us out of the, 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 the experience of the emotion and then the information that's there for us in the emotion, yeah. in the emotional experience. And it takes us back into our ego and just sort of shuts us down. And, and, and then we go into some, you know, yeah. old stories and old patterns, right? So whatever bit of, you know, emotions as information, as informational guidance, um, we don't get to get that guidance and that information. Right, yeah. So I think there's a really like important practice for all of us. And I mean, I still do this now after like a decade of like when I'm feeling something, um, like to start to try to name it and to say it out loud, right? Mm -hmm. There's like all these again, fun Dana science, like things that happen in your brain. Um, <laughs> when you name your emotions, when you say it out loud and you feel the resonance in your bones yeah. and you hear yourself, that, um, that shifts your brain chemistry. And I, I just think there's, it's again, that willing, that commitment to connection, mm -hmm. right? that commitment to connect yeah. to ourselves by saying like, I'm feeling this right now. And, and as much as you can, anyone listening out in listener land, in Power Crystal listener land, to just notice when the judge comes in, right? And, yeah. and says like, that's not okay, or you shouldn't be feeling that, or someone else has it worse, or da 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 all the yeah. chatter. And just like, okay, judge, I hear you. And I'm just gonna turn the volume down gently, yeah. right? Not like a fuck you, whatever. Just like, I'm going to turn it down gently. I'm going to have some compassion for myself as to why that judgment came up. Mm -hmm. I'm going to just like, I'm going to just be where I am. So I don't know. That's just like a little acceptance. Practice. That's beautiful. Practice. That's perfect. And that's not little at all. I think that's huge. In not. fact, <laughs> it's not little. I just, I was crying yesterday. And I told, I was telling my boyfriend, I was like, I don't even know what I feel right now. Like, I don't, I don't know why I'm crying. So yeah, that is, which is, it's a big practice. Great. I mean, too, to just even sometimes to be like, I don't understand what yeah. I, cause sometimes we can be like, Ooh, I'm feeling really angry. And like, Oh, okay. I get yeah. that. And Ooh, I even get where that's coming from. And like, I'm yeah. really in touch with my anger, whatever. Right. Like we can be yeah. there. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't understand. And to just be like, and I accept that I'm here. Yeah. Right. Cause like acceptance is not resignation, it's compassion. And if what we're trying, if we know that compassion is one of the, like the new tools, you know, yeah. a, a new language, then like, 
any, any, any tiny, tiny itty bitty or big way that we can practice it is, yeah. is part of how we're going to create what's next, you know? I love that. I think that's such a beautiful place to end. That's yeah. such a nice gift for, for anyone listening. Um, I really appreciate you, Dana. I think oh this my is gosh. just, I appreciate you too. <laughs> and I didn't even say this when we got on, but you look so beautiful today. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, I mean, you even take a shower. Like, little wavies and. Yeah. It's, yeah. Well, thank you. Well, anyway, um, thank, you for, <laughs> thank you for having me. I just, I really, I, I really adore you and appreciate um, you know, having me on and our connection. Yeah, me too. Me too. Me too. So I'm going to link to your um, website, your Instagram. And then if there's any other things that you want to share that I can give our listeners, I will put that in there too. But if you want to connect with Dana, you can find Dana on Instagram um, at D-A-N-A-B-L-I-X. Yeah. Dana Blix. Um, this okay. Old nickname. Sometimes I'm like, should I update no, that? And I'm like, no. Why? No. And you can also check out Dana's website, which is danabalicki.com, right? Is that right? Yeah, there's that one. And then there's uh, uh, the, the maybe the offering I'll put in the show notes will link to like my, my other website, why I have two. But um, that okay. just has more of my like sort of programmatic. Okay, cool. Cool. Yes. So yeah, thank you so much. I think this is so beautiful. And mm. I think people are going to love to hear hear from you and meet you. So thank yeah. you. Aww, thank you. You're such a dream. Thank you. And thank you, everyone. And just much love to you all. Yes. Good luck on your journey. Thank you. Thank you.